Hello, listeners. Welcome to Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different. I'm Heather. And I'm Whitney. Out of 20 possibilities, we rolled and kneaded up a foodie and artist delight secret cookbook for today's adventure. We also rolled for drinks. Whitney is having a Modelo Especial, and I'm having a Lissinger Suggestion drink, so Whitney made me a spicy margarita. So uh, stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. Well, I think this was super fun. Yeah. You came over and you and your kids came over mm-hmm. over the weekend and we made, you wanted sopapillas. Yeah. Sopapillas are my favorite pastry, fluffy, crunchy, sweet go-to dessert. It's a great one too because it, it meets a lot of needs. You've got savory and sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. You, you can go. With, it can go with lots of different things. Yep. You can go with fruits. You can go with ice cream. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> but I didn't have a recipe for sopapilla. No, because <laughs> no. I picked out Frida's fiestas, recipes and reminiscences of life with Frida Kahlo, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be super fun to go through this book. And it's a weird book because when we were looking for recipes, there's not an index. Nope. Well, I mean, there is an index. That's a very back. But there's not a table of contents like with a list of recipes. It's not really set up to to pick up a book, find a recipe quickly, and make it. Right. It was very built into a story of the life and reminiscing of her life, of Frida. This is a book meant to be read. It's written a lot like a biography would be. Um, by a friend of hers, right? Well, it was her, so her mother, her mother and Frida were friends. So this is the the daughter. And then the last name of Guadalupe Rivera, I mean, Rivera is his name. So Mm -hmm. it very well could be his. Uh, So it says that they dedicated this book to Andrea, um, Eric, Lupe's children, and of course, Diego Rivera, who is, so they're the great grandchildren. That's what it says. So they're the grandchildren and great grandchildren. So that's kind of cool. That is really cool. And it just, it was super fun. Um, it, it, the pictures are all photographed by Ignacio Orquiza, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. It's her kitchen, like legit her kitchen in some of these. There's pictures of her all throughout it. Uh, she, she was a an, an entertainer. Mm-hmm. She was very hospitable. She wanted everyone who was there in their home to feel warm and welcome mm-hmm. and fed and taken care of. Yeah. And it's clear throughout this book, all the different pictures, her favorite recipes that she would make, the times of year. It's separated by months. Mm-hmm. You notice that? Yeah. The first thing I did, I turned to the table of contents to look at the recipe list. And I was like, um, this is a calendar. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. At the, like, it, it just it showed her life, the recipes that walked along with her life. It's got it opens up with I believe it opens with her wedding menu. Uh, I believe it does. I believe it opens up with her wedding menu or it ends with her wedding. Yeah. The the wedding reception. And I just thought that was super fun. So it's got oyster soup, white rice with plantains, uh, hosalantes and green sauce, chiles stuffed with cheese, 
picadillo, a tomato broth, mole, all kinds of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And just flan. Yep. I wanted to make flan, but it's one of those things where I had to set and forget and come back mm-hmm. later, and we weren't going to do that. <laughs> not, not with children present. Not with children present. Maybe another time. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really found myself appreciating about this cookbook is the complexity paired with the simplicity. Like, these are really simple, easy to source ingredients. Um, you know, last time when we had done a cookbook, we we were looking at like trying to find pigeons. Uh, right. Um, but these are things that you could go to a grocery store and very easily get. Um, and or or uh, your local uh, market, your market. A lot of the ingredients you could have gotten out of your own backyard because you have such a plentiful garden. Correct. Um, now, like tamarind and picadillos, right. I couldn't do that. But right. <laughs> but like tomatoes and things like mm-hmm. that, you had access to Absolutely. already. Um, and so I think that that really speaks to the beauty of a lot of Mexican dishes. Um, they're they're easy to source, and that tells us so much about the culture and where the food is coming from. Absolutely. A lot of people, I think, try to describe dishes like this as rustic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 100% certain, like, are sold on that word because I feel like there's, like, a negative connotation mm-hmm. with rustic. And I don't believe that that's the case at all. Like you're saying, this is a dish to share. Yes. The dishes, we had to we had to pare down the, re- the recipe because it was, it was going to make, like, 50 <laughs> pastries. Yeah. <laughs> And it, we ended up making sugared fritters, mm-hmm. which is a, a very similar to the sopapilla yeah. that you had wanted. And so that was, it was nice mm-hmm. to have, uh, it was nice to have that, that warm, easy dish mm-hmm. that can be served for any meal, like any time of the day yep. that could have been a high tea in England for, you yep. know, it was that, it was a nice cookie well you even you even biscuit. commented if we just slapped some jelly on it like that would have been a nice breakfast and well, nice alan did tree. try it that way yeah. oh, and good. he loved it he has some elderberry jam that we uh, his friends make him we should probably mention our special guest today yes uh, osagi was here last time and so <laughs> i think people are getting used to the cat noise yeah. this is a teeny weeny i have child-sized hands and she fits in my hand uh, little black kitten uh, that we have rescued yeah, hi. You coming out? Okay. So uh, we hope you like kitties because you're going to get a lot of kitten sounds. Uh, she needs some attention. And she's I only think about Frida would love her. Frida always had an, a crazy, insane menagerie mm-hmm. of animals. And I think she would be very pleased to know that we have this little yeah. kitten here today. But, but Whitney just acquired this kitten, what you said? Hours ago. Hours ago, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the people that we got her from, they they volunteer for an animal rescue. And uh, they didn't, they, they're so full up <laughs> with <laughs> rescues because people are like abandoning mm-hmm. a lot of animals on the side of the road. And so we found this little booger and we're trying mm-hmm. to give her a home. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> But I definitely think that uh, Frida would love her. My friend sent a little message over to me and called her a little sombra. Una sombra. Uh-huh. And I was like, yes, she is a little sleeping shadow. <laughs> oh, that's so... But she was asleep at the time. That's so perfect. But yeah, so... Uh, it, it is really nice because within this cookbook, it does... How it is set up into the months of the calendar, mm-hmm. we see what dishes they would celebrate for holidays mm-hmm. and festivities as well. And their December calendar 
is is really an interesting a really interesting mix because there are a lot of tropical dishes on here that I don't normally associate with Yule and mm-hmm. Christmas and stuff. So it's nice. Like they've got cocada, oh. uh, the coconut ice cream, yeah. homemade coconut ice cream. They did a Christmas turkey. It just, it was really neat. A lot of uh, the Christian deity, Christian deity, the gods, mm-hmm. or the God and Jesus and Holy Ghost. The saints. The saints. Like you'll see a lot of that influence in Frida's mm-hmm. paintings because of that, that it's coming out of that period and going into surrealism. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of religious iconography in her pieces. And you can mm-hmm. see that like uh, two Fridas, there's a little bit of that in two Fridas. There's so many different pieces of hers where uh, she'll be the saint or Diego will be the saint and mm-hmm. she's taking care of Diego and as, as a baby. Mm-hmm. There's just so much different things. Um, I wish I could find it. What did you, when we were flipping through the recipes, what did you think was really exciting? Um, I really liked the pacing of a lot of the dishes. Um, some of these were all day cook dishes. Um, and to me, that really that really tells me about the love and care that goes into the food. Um, but again, it's easy to source ingredients. These aren't extravagant. Like it's not extravagant French cuisine. That hoity-toity. Like this uh-huh. is this is home cooking. And it, it reminds me a lot of like um, like here in the South when you want to make pot roast in the wintertime, and it takes all day to make. Sure. But like you're not actively doing something all the time. Um, and so even with the dish that, that Whitney and I chose to make, um, there was like a, a five to 10 minute, like serious prep time where we gathered the ingredients and we mixed them. But then there was like 20 minutes where we just waited and then <laughs> we put them in the pan. And then there was like another 20 minutes we waited. And those are such good dishes to make when you are hanging out with people mm-hmm. and people can, can help. They can get their hands in to make the food with you, but then you can socialize. It's it's not like a heavy, intensive, active cooking like you see in so many other cultural cuisines. Um, That's an extremely valid point because Roland was, and he's three, mm-hmm. and he was completely able to help us mix in the dough if he wanted to, mm-hmm. which he didn't. <laughs> but we offered. But he, but he would. He would have. It, it, like my niece, my niece would have cooked with mm-hmm. that. It, it was just like Play-Doh. Yeah. Like it felt just like it. And it's just fun to be able to, to use mm-hmm. non-mechanized tools. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to use anything. Everything could have been done over a fire and an earthenware pot if that's mm-hmm. all we'd had. And I just, I find that really interesting and fun. Moles are usually cooked on this large round, um, either a earthenware over a fire or a, mm-hmm. a metal piece. Yeah. And that's how the, everything's cooked on that one mm-hmm. piece. Every the, You roast the veggies right there. Yeah. Once they're roasted, then you start pouring on stuff, mm-hmm. all your wet ingredients. But where this, where this uh, cookbook focuses on like the social aspect of, of Frida's entertaining and the menus that she would create, um, I feel like all of the recipes just really served not to center on the food, but to center on the people involved in the food. Um, and I really, I really liked that about this cookbook. 
something that I pointed out to mm-hmm. you that just made me really happy in my yeah. little baby hearts of hearts was when um, I, cause you are, you're reading this book, you're reading it as you're looking at recipes mm-hmm. and everything's associated with it. Like food they had on their honeymoon is in yeah. here. And it just, it was really neat because the uh, Guadalupe said that Frida always, they never saw her kitchen table bare. Mm-hmm. It always had on a very brightly uh, colored plastic tablecloth. Yep. And I, I it made me giggle because when you showed up, I had a brightly colored <laughs> uh, plastic tablecloth on there that I'd gotten pre this cookbook Yep, and would frequently put it out and uh, with the sugar skulls and stuff, marigolds yeah. on it. And I just, it made my heart so warm and happy mm-hmm. to know that I was doing something that an idol and heroine of mine also mm-hmm. did. And I thought that was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's just like a fangirl thing, mm-hmm. but for sure. Now, there were a couple of recipes in here that we, we, like, just looking through, both of us were like, what is that? Um, And and I think both of us, our eyes landed on the same one um, to jokingly make. Oh, the hogs? Chilled? Chilled, was it chills pig? Chills hogs feet or pig's feet. Yeah, chilled pig's feet. Um, And I was like, oh, that that right there is what we should make. they looked, they looked pretty good. Um, I've never had pig's feet. I know that in, in Hispanic culture, a lot of the pig is used, a lot of the cow is used that we don't usually use. Well, in the majority of cultures, they have pig's feet. Yeah. Um, in Brazil, in uh, many of the African mm-hmm. countries, in yeah. South America countries. I mean, like that is just a normal to use yeah. the, the whole Asia. Animal. I mean, yeah, you just, yeah. you don't you don't let things go to waste and we are a lot more wasteful culture for sure. Well, and, and another popular item that they use is cow's tongue. Like that's like a delicacy there. Mm -hmm. We, Um, Alan eats a lot of lengua burritos. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, But yeah. And and it just reminded me again, that this is very much like a people's food. Mm -hmm. Of the people. Yeah. For the people. She was very much a revolutionary uh, in the, most political of ways, mm-hmm. as well as artistically, socially, and in, in many other ways as well. Yeah. So I'm going to actually take a moment to tell you what all we put into these fritters. So if you want to grab a pencil and a pad of paper, we're going to give you the recipe um, so that you can enjoy the fritters that we had as well. Um, it's going to cook 12 to 15 fritters with the total numbers that I'm giving you. I actually think that that, because we, I did make them a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably did a... a um, I don't know, maybe a little bit smaller of a, a piece, but I got eight or nine out of them. That was having it. So I think yeah. it might even do more, a little yeah, bit more. I think it will. And I think the size you made was perfect Yeah, because like I didn't need to eat a big fritter. Yeah, that's true. Um, so None you, of us do. It's just so much. <laughs> so, much. <laughs> so much sweets. Um, so you will need uh, three to four cups of flour. You'll need one and a half teaspoons of baking powder. One tablespoon of sugar, a half teaspoon of salt, four tablespoons of butter melted, two eggs, a half cup of milk, lard, and we learned that you can substitute butter for lard. Mm -hmm. At Uh, 1.25 ratio, right? Yep. So for every cup of lard, you would need 1.25 cups of butter. And then you'll need sugar and cinnamon. And we added honey to ours on the top. Yeah, at the very end, we added honey. And this recipe actually gives a picadillo syrup recipe in mm-hmm. addition to to the fritter recipe, if yep. that's something, which is which you can substitute uh, brown sugar for that as yeah. well. Yeah, yep. 
Um, so you mix all of your dry ingredients and sift them. Then you combine your wet ingredients, um, beat the flour into your wet ingredients, um, adding it slowly until things start to congeal and shape into um, a stiff dough ball. And we, we found out what it says stiff dough ball and that's kind of a little bit misleading. It was definitely the texture of Play-Doh. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. was that, that density, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like if you've ever made biscuits, yep. that same concept. You're then going to put them into walnut shapes and like round, ball, round balls yeah. and, and cut, cover them in the lard substance. Um, when I say cover, like brush it on a little bit of the melted butter or the melted lard you're gonna just i poured it on with a spoon in a little bowl like a mixing bowl um and just put all the little dough balls on the bottom poured that over and then we put the lid on it and sat around and talked yep you wait (laughs) for play magic yep yep (laughs) wait for 20 minutes roll the balls out until they're thin and flat let them sit for another 10 minutes um, and then you're going to fry them in the hot lard until golden. And we found that it, in, in the butter that we used, it was taking, what, about 10, 12 minutes per? Oh, no, no, no. not no, that long? No. How long? It oh, felt goodness, forever because no. it smelled so good. It did feel forever, but I feel like maybe it was two two minutes on each side, if that. Oh, my like, concept of time is gone. Correct. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, it's definitely something you want to watch it, but it does get an actual golden color, like yeah. straight up golden color. Yeah. Um, and then you can sprinkle on your um, cinnamon sugar and honey if you choose or jelly and jam. Um, they were really good warm. They were perfect warm. Um, we had them a little bit later that evening uh, and with some tea, like mm-hmm. a high tea thing. And it was good even then. Good. Yeah. Uh, we did find the texture to be a little dry. Um it was like, it kind of put me in mind of, um, like a thinned, like a, like, like the flour thinned out pie crust, like yes. all, but not quite. It wasn't yeah. really pie crust, but it was on that same vein. Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was a nice flaky pastry. Bite. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but normally when we fry things like dough in, in oil like that, you might think of like a funnel cake. It's not the consistency of a funnel mm-hmm. cake. So don't go into it thinking that it might be. No. No, uh, like when, like I ate, I bit into it and I was like, well, man, this is kind of plain. This kind of tastes bland. But when we look at the time in which this recipe was Mm -hmm. definitely introduced into this world. And then later on when Frida is making it, it it is that it is, it is a no nonsense, no frills Mm -hmm. dish, just like all these other dishes. Yep. They, they, it it had flavor, just not the flavor, not my little sugared Americanized tongue flavor. Like it was, it was nice. It was simple. Like afterwards I was like, okay, I like this. I was expecting Mm -hmm. a funnel cake. Yep. And did not get that. Well, and I think, I think that's what you've just said about our Americanized tongue is so important to remember. We add and overprocess so many of our foods with sugar that we don't appreciate just the simplicity of a I sweet mean, dish. A lot of veggies have sugar in them now. Mm-hmm. And this, although this is, these are sugared fruit or sugars in the title, this is not a sugar full meal no. at all, at all. I mean, it's, it's got a tablespoon of sugar and then whatever you sprinkle on top of it, yeah. which we didn't do a whole lot. No. We just did a little, a little For taste. Flavor. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, it was really nice. It was really fun. It was fun, like sharing that experience yep. with you and the kids and you had your, your littlest one in a little yep. papoose on yep. your chest. It was fun, like walking around. <laughs> he was helping us whisk the flower oh, yeah. in. It was fun. Yep. <laughs> Which I think is also like 
pretty typical of the Hispanic cooking culture because the family is so involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, everyone's home when you're when, like everyone's home and cooking. And when the people get home from work, they've been working all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, people get up at five o'clock in the morning and start making all the tortillas, mm-hmm. getting those all freshly made each day. With their kids strapped to their body too, because you don't have time to stop and hold them. No. And, and part of the, the, Outside of American cultures that I love so much, especially the Hispanic culture, is the inclusion of family. And, mm-hmm. and everyone is in the, not necessarily the same roof, but in the same area. Like, everyone lives mm-hmm. within two or three houses yeah. of each other. And you help each other. Like, it's very symbiotic relationships. They're not isolated yeah. like we are here. Yeah, That's my experience when I lived in India, too. They all lived under the same roof. It was grandparent, parent, husband, wife, brothers, sisters, husband, wife, all the grandchildren together. Um, and, and yeah, the, the women would start cooking at five, six o'clock in the morning and the littlest children that didn't go to school would be in the kitchen, helping them cook. I mean, two, three years old, holding pans or pots. I'm not using any of the heating implements cause we're not crazy, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but you could definitely hand a, a, a dirty bowl to a two-year-old and they would go clean it and bring it back. Like it was no big no big chore for them. Well, I mean, and there, like recently saw a link um, that I sent you and my sister on Facebook because you guys are both just such amazing mommies. You guys do so good with your kids. And it was talking about how other cultures outside of America, like the kids don't have to be convinced to mm-hmm. do chores because you're not doing chores. You're right. helping your family. Yeah. You're helping you're, your own household. Yeah. You're honoring your relatives and the people that live with you and yourself. You're honoring yourself by keeping mm-hmm. things clean and keeping things tight. And, you know, it's just part of it. They they're taught at such mm-hmm. a young age to to love one another and respect one another mm-hmm. and i really enjoy that and it's clear in this cookbook the pictures who wrote the cookbook mm-hmm. you know the kids of did this so yep um so I was just really excited to read that. So thank you very much for letting me pick out it, the most non-geeky one that we could have. But it also feels, it kind of also feels like it's still geeky. I mean, Frida Kahlo has such a niche cult following. I feel like this is definitely art geekery. Well, so I'm going to read the epilogue real quick. In this ambiance of magic and ritual, Frida lived for many years. But due to the accident of 1925 and the many health problems that resulted little by little, she became less able to entertain guests. Nevertheless, her way of life was always the same. The time I lived at the Blue past, the blue House passed, but as a consequence of my own maturation, finishing my university degree, marriages, and caring for my children, visits to Kokoyokan continued to be regular and frequent. Any encounter started stories and conversations just where we left them. Frida's world was always a ritual. Because of the demands of her egocentric personality, she played both icon and devotee. Her clothes created by, created the Frida Kahlo style. Nobody had similar jewelry. What my father gave her was always unique. Only Frida and the women of Oaxaca wore their hair in that style. For still life paintings, Frida selected her favorite flowers and fruits. For portraits, her best friends and her sorrows and thoughts were interpreted by small tableau. The greatest part of Frida's art was dedicated to self-portraits, which is so funny. With her own image in a mirror, Frida painted ritualized icons surrounded by magic. With the purpose of offering my readers a different aspect of Frida's way of life, the joyous one in which we, the participants, including my father, Diego Rivera, were involved, I write this book. Nice. So, on that note, we are going to tell you about Almost Home Animal Rescue. 
if you want to read that, because I'm a little teary-eyed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, where'd it go? It went away. That's you know how good. I do. Yep. All right, here we go. Um, and this is in honor of Whitney's new cat. Um, so Almost Home Animal Rescue is a nonprofit organization made up solely of volunteers. Their primary purpose is to rescue mistreated or homeless animals and place them in loving environments. They hope to bring out about a significant change in the treatment of all animals through educational programs and by working closely with other rescue organizations and sanctuaries. Almost Home believes that every animal deserves a loving home regardless of appearance, age, or physical limitation. No animal is expendable. They strive to give animals the safe and loving life that they deserve. Yay, that makes me happy. And we will definitely post a picture of this little tiny cat on our Facebook page for you. For sure. Um, and if uh, we're, we're waiting, you're waiting for the cat to tell you its name, right? Correct. Yep. We so believe it's a girl. We're not 100% sure yet. <laughs> well, we'll see. So with that, we need to roll. Oh, absolutely. Would you like to uh, roll up a book? Absolutely. Feeling lucky with this black and white speckled one. A seven. Uh, we are going to be reading a comic book. Nice. Uh, I don't, it just says dealer or DM choice. Yeah. So. We'll see which one we pick out. Uh, that's a single issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which we don't get to do a lot of those. No. We've not. Yeah. So this will be fun to do that. All right. Um, I will roll for my drink. I rolled a nat one, Whitney. <laughs> you did not. I did. You re you've re-rolled too much. I have. So you get tea. Oh, okay. I know you're not a big fan of tea, but if we add that vodka sidecar to it, it'll be hard tea. Is that any better? I don't know. It's still tea. <laughs> Do you like Mike's hard tea? No. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try a nice herbal tea. A I have a friend. Tea. I have a friend who loves tea, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna have her recommend me and and see if she'll loan me. There a is tea a bag. bookworm tea witch lady on Etsy that I get some stuff from, and mm -hmm. she's got one called Ravens in the Library. So good. I might have some of it still. Okay. So if well, I do. We might do that. But let's get your friend to make some suggestions too. Okay. Do you want. Oh, yeah. I'll roll. Okay. You're about to roll my drink. I was. Uh, it's a seven. So I get white wine. Oh, that sounds way white better wine. than tea. <laughs> I don't know. My, it's almost my not one. Oh, there really? are very few white wines that I like. I like sparkly. I like bubbly. I recommend Kung Fu Girl to you. It's a, a. It's a Riesling nice. out of California. Okay. Then I will pick that up. They sell it at Kroger's. It's like $10 a bottle. Oh, that's not too bad at all. All right. So next time it looks like we'll be reading a comic book. A single issue comic book. Single for issue. That's very exciting. It's not often that you and I only get one single issue in our life, right? It really isn't. <laughs> we have like 99 issues, but one's not one. It <laughs> uh, looks like uh, you're going to follow our quest, hopefully, on Adventure Sea Podcast. Or our <laughs> you can't our follow us there. Adventure Seed Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're on so many places now, so many platforms. I'm mm -hmm. so proud. It's been so hard getting them acknowledged, recognized, and there. So tell us where you watch podcasts because we want to know. Mm -hmm. And may the dice always be in your favor. Roll, Roll well. well.